Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me again this week. It is 88 degrees here. I just have to throw that in there. I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but it you would never imagine it being 88 degrees on November the 16th, but it is. Um, so let me just tell you about my guest today. His name is Daniel Ramsey. Daniel is the founder and CEO of My OutDesk, a virtual assistant company. He is also an author, and he's the founder of a nonprofit, The Mod Movement. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Yeah, Marcia, thanks for having me. Oh, this is going to be just great because you're going to be talking about things, honestly, that I I would like to know about that I don't know very much about, and I think that people listening may be in the same situation. But before we get to your business part of what we're going to be talking about today, I thought you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, just just let us get a glimpse into you so we get to understand you a little bit better. Yeah, sure. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started my career in uh, the seventh grade on the back of a bus, literally um, got into sales and uh, with a Snickers candy bar. You'll love the story because it's just, it's, it's funny. This is what led me to believe that I had a career in being a salesperson. And as a CEO, I, I just think that your number one job is to be the forward, outward-looking person within your organization um, doing these kind of shows. Um, but I was on the bus and I had my last Snickers of the week and I sold candy for like extra spending money as a kid. And a uh, guy comes up to me and says, Hey, I, I, I want to buy a Snickers. And I, I told him, Hey, I'm sorry. This is my last one. I'm, I'm, it's Friday. It's like, the, you know, spring. So the Snickers was all chocolatey, gooey and, and perfect. And he's like, give it to me. I've got five bucks. And I was like, no man. And then he, he literally shoved a $20 bill in my face. And I was like, okay, have it. And, um, you know, he took my last Snickers for $20. And I, and I knew at that moment, um, you know, I was going to be in business. I was going to sell stuff. And uh, I was that fortunate kid in college. I got a business degree right out of college. I worked for an investment bank. And um, I knew I, uh, I wasn't destined to be an employee because my boss gave me a 1.3% raise my last year working for that firm. And I, I had a conversation. I, as a finance guy, I was like, hey, look, inflation's 3%. You're giving me 1.3%. Are you sure you want me to quit? Because you're basically saying I'm worth less to you this year than I was last year. And, um, you know, I started a business shortly after that because my boss held, you know, strong on his 1.3% raise. Uh, and since then, opened, started, closed multiple businesses, failed many, many times, lucky enough to, be, to, to get married. And I have uh, two little girls, a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and one more baby girl on the way. Oh, three girls 
Yes. There's a special you're, place in heaven for men like me. You're right. And I must tell you, continued success in your business because I have a son and a daughter. Girls are a lot more expensive. Just a side note, but you already know that because you already have two of your own. So you, I, we get that. This is great, and and I believe you live in the you live here in the Sacramento area. Is that correct? Or not here, but is that is that where you're located? In beautiful California, um, yep. Sacramento. We just um, today our governor is lock, is creating a lockdown. We will be uh, there will be a 9 p.m. curfew enacted. Okay. I think today later later today. So we are in the in the thick of the pandemic in Sacramento, California, also a beautiful day here mm-hmm. in Northern California. Yes. Yeah, I did hear about that. Well, let's let's draw our focus to what I am really interested about, which is having you share your story about, you know, you, you kind of gave us the Snickers story, which I think is kind of a funny childhood uh, hustle. I noticed that that's part of what's uh, the opening part of your book in Scaling Your Business. Uh, it's it's a great story. And, I, you know, I think sto- my show is about stories, all right? So if somebody doesn't have a story about their life, it's likely that you probably wouldn't be a guest on my show because you wouldn't have anything to share so i am most definitely a story collector and you're not you are also not new to the podcast world so we both understand what it's like to share our stories and those of others um where where we work so let's start out with my out desk which i think is really cool because the m the o the d is mod and i'm thinking oh it's the mod squad i'm i'm old enough to remember the mod squad i don't know if you are but it 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 was something that did absolutely come to my mind and i love the title so let's let's talk about your company what what is the my out desk company all about yeah, it's a it's a good question, and of course I have a story. My uh, wife and I we were we got met we met playing soccer, and we fell in love quickly. And within a year and a half, we were married. On our honeymoon, we went to a place in Guatemala. Um, it's it's a Francis Ford Coppola Resort, and it's a beautiful place. You're crawling through rainforests and jungle, and there's monkeys, and you're in this bungalow tree style hotel basically and it was a very small hotel but it had this majestic huge um lake in front of it and marsha i found myself in in the middle of the night literally at one in the morning working and the bartender kind of got uh cheeky with me to to put it lightly he he spoke spanish and i speak a little bit of spanish being being a californian and he's he he takes my cell phone and snaps a photo of me and he says things like, you know, why why are Americans always working? Beautiful bride back in the room. What's wrong with this guy? And all in Spanish. And I, at that moment, I knew uh, something had to shift in my life. Something had to change about how I was organizing my business, what I was doing at, at, as a leader, and and really as a just as a a person. I see. I wanted to stay married, and I wanted to stay. You know, I wanted to one day have kids and. And I wanted to own a business that, you know, I wanted to own the business, not have the business own me. And really, my outdesk was born out of my own internal need uh, to find leverage and talent within our business. And wildly enough, we hired our first virtual assistant, and uh, 
she was fantastic. And then another virtual assistant, another virtual assistant. And as I'm on that honeymoon, it struck me that I needed more leverage in my business and I needed to change how I was doing what I was doing because, quite frankly, I wanted to stay married and have a family one day. Mm-hmm. Truly. That's, you know, while you made that sound really simple, real, the reality is it was pretty brilliant what you just said. I want to own a business, not to have a business own me. I could see where that is an absolute motivator. That that when I say conversations plus connections equals community, I, I oftentimes end up putting my hand over my heart while I say that because it is so near and dear to who I am. And when I hear you say that, I'm thinking, Whoa, that was that was a really defining moment for you, wasn't it? It was. And you know what's interesting is I was in the worst shape of my life. Um, you know, at that moment, I had multiple businesses. Um, I I was a, a helicopter delegator, meaning I was a CEO or entrepreneur, because I, really I was not entrepreneur at that moment. I wasn't really a CEO. I didn't have a large team like we do today. But I was an entrepreneur who would delegate a task and then be over the shoulder of the doer, saying, did you do it? Is it done? And then I'd get it back, and I was dissatisfied or, or didn't like the results. And it's funny because – you know, as I look back at, at that version of myself, I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sad by it because I've learned so much now. But it really did change everything for me because this idea of having a business or owning a business versus a business owning me, I mean, it changed things like I could go to the, I can go to the gym now. I can, I can do sports. I, you know, I didn't work over the weekend this week despite having multiple you know, customer requests and and employee requests. And so it really did shift everything for me and really taught me really how to grow and scale a business, which is really what the book is all about, which is really what my Outdesk focus is on, is helping entrepreneurs, you know, get the leverage and talent that they need to grow and scale their business while not sacrificing you know, everything else, getting an opportunity to spend time, you know, go on a vacation without answering your phone, go to the mm-hmm. gym, see your family. You know, I mean, these things, you know, quite honestly, they're difficult for an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. There's, there's certain buzzwords that constantly float around me. And just hearing what you just said, one of those buzzwords that I constantly hear in my head, is balance. And, you know, it could be, it's not necessarily a yoga stance, although certainly you require balance to stand in a tree pose. But it's more than that. It's, it's balancing your time, your energy, your, your eating habits, your family, your everything about life. And when, you, when you're the boss, you get to do that, and I can appreciate how valuable that is to you. And I, I want to tell people as they're listening to this show, you have a couple of really great websites. We're going to be talking about your nonprofit a little bit later into the show. But I physically like your logo. I think that it's, it, 
it speaks to me because it's M, it's O, it's D. So it's myoutdesk.com for people that want to look look at your your website. But I like the the O representing like a person, like a profile. It says virtual under it. So your your logo itself is brilliant because it already gives you a sense like, gee, I wonder what this is all about. And then when you the first thing on the page is virtual assistant services, that's what takes you into learning what your company really offers. And there's a lot of us that may not truly understand what the role is of a virtual assistant. Or frankly, let's just start at the very beginning. It's, that sounds like a Mary Poppins song. But let's start at the very beginning. With the, if there's always music going on out there. I can't, I can't help myself. There's another song just then. All right, back to you. Virtual assistant. Could you just define what the term virtual assistant means so that we understand what those services are? For sure. And, in fact, um, you'll laugh because now that we're – so we're 13 years old. We've served over 6,000 customers in, in that 13 years. But, Marsha, when I first started, you know, doing this virtual assistant thing, you know, almost a decade ago, more than a decade ago, I would go to a conference and there'd be a thousand people in the room and I'd, I'd be on stage and I'd say, Hey, you know, you should check this virtual assistant thing out. And, and sure enough, one person would come up to the mic during the Q and a session of, of my talk and say, Daniel, can you tell me what a virtual assistant is? And th- this is literally how we, we created this industry, our company and what it, because we started before the four hour work week before um, Tim Ferriss made it popular, we started before Upwork was even you know around. But basically, it's a very simple concept of virtual assistant. What we do is we find virtual professionals, and in our case, it's in the Philippines. That's the country that we're in. People who have have three, five, ten years of experience doing something for a business, for a U.S. business. Now, our four categories are very simple. We have prospecting, which is sales, somebody pounding the phones and helping you drive revenue. Then we have basically a a virtual assistant or an executive assistant, just somebody to do your operational tasks or admin tasks for you. Mine today, I was like, hey, I need this piece of data from our CRM. Can you pull this and create a little report and tell me, X, Y, and Z. So we have an operations person. Then we have marketing assistants. So somebody who can help you with your coordination or your social media content strategy or possibly helping you with your website or driving digital. I know a lot of businesses right now are struggling with that um, transition to a digital model. Um, and then, and then the, the fourth category is really customer support and service. So somebody to answer the phone, help with enablement. We have a lot of tech companies that use our service. And but the 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 it all boils down to one thing. My the problem that I needed when I was growing my business early on is I needed specific expertise in a particular area or domain of my business. I I'll give you an example. We had a CRM, we were generating leads and my sales Wait, team stop. was so uh, let me interrupt closing. you. I I'm so sorry, but yeah. I but this is really helpful. So I don't know what CRM is. Ah, a customer relationship management software, and I'm so sorry. So we had a database, a customer database, and our sales team, they they were closing so many deals, 
that they couldn't keep up with the leads that we were generating. So we hired a virtual assistant to screen the leads and make sure that they were a, a, a good fit for our business and, and really a potential client. So that was a need. And then at, we started putting out more marketing content and my digital person couldn't keep up. So we hired a, somebody to edit video and, and create flyers and create content for us as a virtual assistant. And basically what we do is we just help businesses get the talent that they need in order to grow and scale. Wow. How do you go about even finding these the 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 staff that you have? It's a good question. Um here here's the thing. We we very um and we talk about it in the book, which we're going to talk about today, but we, we have a system and a process for screening people, meaning, you know, we have a whole host of best practices when it comes to, you know, what does their current job need to look like? What do they, what kind of experience should they have? You know, we, we do an FBI grade background check. We check their, the school that they went to. Um, we're checking all of the normal employee um, boxes that you might check when you're hiring somebody, all up front, all 100% for our clients before our clients even go through an interview process. Okay, that's that's and and, and this is all virtual Do, now. Out of just out of curiosity, because I, because I, I I'm going to ask what I don't know because how else would that help me, right? Because other what right. I might be wondering, somebody else may be also wondering. With today's technology, and especially since COVID, um, how we've all been affected so much, do do your virtual assistants, are they ever able to actually Zoom with your clients, or is it strictly um, um, phone-to-phone? Oh, my goodness. We – oh, what a great question. So, we, first of all, we do all of our client onboarding through Zoom. Um, for a long time, we, we were using um, GoToMeeting, and we transitioned to Zoom about three years ago. And so when somebody raises their hand, they go to our website, myoutdesk.com, and they register and say, okay, I heard Daniel and Marsha, and that crazy guy, I really, maybe he has a thing, and may, may, maybe I should talk to them. We do a really specific consultation where we walk through, you know, what the client's needs are, what kind of, um, technology um, platforms they use. We look at, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, their goals and their specific obstacles for the years to come. Like one of the, my favorite questions to ask in that process, and, and this is a really powerful question, but if you as a business entrepreneur right now were forced to double your business next year, what would you do and who would you need on your team? Those are some of my two favorite questions. And what that does is it goes, it makes you, forces you as a potential client to really get clear comes that you're hiring for, whether it's sales, marketing, ops, you know, customer support, what are the things that are going to cause my business to double and really, really take off and grow? So we'll go through that process with you and then get you set up, you know, to hire, to interview. Everything that we do is over on Zoom. So your consultation is through Zoom. Then you do your interviews through Zoom. And we suggest that you, you know, onboard, train, um, 
you know, teach people how to sell or serve your customers through Zoom because it's just a more powerful thing when you're doing face-to-face. I agree with you so much. And and I would just add this, you know, it, I, I also love photography. And frequently when I'm posting on social media, I'll say, you know, Zoom used to just mean what I did with my camera. And clearly that's that's changed now. Not that I still don't Zoom with my camera, but I Zoom with my Rotary Club. There could be 30 of us on that call. My name is Marsha, all right? We all know that if your name is Marsha, you grew up hearing Marsha, 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 and the Brady Bunch were always in those boxes. They they started right. that box, that whole boxing way before we ever knew about Zoom. But I think that when you when you do a Zoom call like what you've just said, it's so intimate. I, at one time, Daniel, before I was on Blog Talk Radio, I was actually in a studio here in this community where I live. Um, right by LAX. I'm sure you have flown out in and out of that airport. And that was an audiovisual show, which meant that all of my guests had to be able to travel to be in the studio. But it was intimate. It was personal. I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. It's audio. It's visual. It was great. When that opportunity closed, the great news about that was is that now you don't have to travel. You can be in Sacramento. You can be in Boston. It really doesn't matter because we can be here together. We might be on different different time zones. So that whole thing about Zooming I can see is really, really important, and it sounds like it's a wonderful business technique for helping people because now I'm not just listening to your voice. I'm looking at you. I'm reading your body language. Do we have a rapport? Do I feel like you're hearing me? All of the things that would be so important if I want to speak to somebody about my business and, like you said, doubling it in a year. And how the heck am I going to do that? So I I can see the the true value of Zoom. And look at our children are doing it. I would imagine your kids, if they're old enough to be in school, are using a Zoom to, to get their education today. So it, it's pretty remarkable. And now it doesn't matter where you live in the world, we can Zoom. And I wanted to just move us over to your book because I really want to speak about your book and I also want to speak about your nonprofit. So you mentioned at the opening, and I just loved it. Because, I, I, you know, when you, when you want to buy a book on Amazon, they allow you to look inside to just to kind of look around. And, and you, t- you talk about the Snickers story, which I thought was hysterical, and you called it your, your childhood um, hustle. But the, but the book has a very serious part to it, and I believe, um, like I say, I have my three C's. You have your four P's and your three R's, which are your seven business factors. Let me also just say the name of your book really quick right now. The name of your book is in front of me. Scaling Your Business, How to Drive Revenue, Save Time, and Create Your Dream Company. I mean, come on. That alone is like, whoa, that should draw people in. So let's talk about your book and spend some time now getting to know more about what you offer in your book. Well, yeah, I I appreciate your intro to it. I think it's interesting because I was just putting myself back in that time when I was on my honeymoon in Guatemala. I was just like recalling and I was very much in the I do it stage. And in the book, we have something called the seven figure business roadmap, which really breaks down the process that businesses go through as they're growing and scaling. The first stage is I do it, meaning I'm, I'm the one that's doing everything. I'm doing all my marketing, all my sales, 
all all of my customer support, all of my contract negotiations. I'm doing everything. It, it's like um, you got 21 different hats and and zero time. In the I do it stage, you're really learning about your craft, your unique value proposition. You're learning how to speak to customers, uh, and really understanding what it means to be a business owner. Now, at some point, you get the opportunity to become a we do it. And in the we do it, you've hired your first assistant or you've hired a great salesperson or you've hired somebody. You've, you've basically convinced that this crazy idea that is your mm. business is worth somebody else giving up their most valuable resource, which is their time, and they're going to come and they're going to work in your business with you. And like, oh, my gosh, that's so exciting. And here's the challenge. In order to make that work, your focus shifts from learning and growing to creating systems and process. Because, see, the new person on your team, they don't know how to serve your customers. You've just spent the last one, two, three, five years learning everything about your industry, learning what your customers want. And this new person, they need to learn that stuff. And this is the biggest trip up that most entrepreneurs have is when they hire somebody like, how do I teach them everything that I've just spent five years learning? And some people may spend 10 years as an I do it, and then they decide to hire their first person, and they're like, oh, my gosh, there's so much tribal knowledge in my head, and somehow I have to get it out, and I have to give it to somebody else. And, and you do that by creating systems and process. Um, and this is a big challenge because that's where I was when I was on my honeymoon. I hadn't created systems and process, and so I had employees who were doing things, but they were always dropping the ball or making small mistakes or causing mm-hmm. causing me to redo their work because I'd never told them how. I'd never like put in it put it down on paper or recorded a screen from a Zoom call, which is something that we help customers do today. And so, you know, your 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 process to move from a we do it to a they do it, where you actually own a business. Well, that process is it, you've got to actually create system and process in, inside of your business. And the they do it stage, that's the, that's the exciting, Marsha, this is the spot that every business owner wants to be in, right, where you have a team and they're out there in production executing for you every single day. When that happens, you know, you're, you're in the top, what I like to say, the top 4%. See, there's some stats. And I can just talk on and on, Marsha. It's, it's funny because we That's talked okay. earlier. You're like, you know, if you like the talk, you know, I'm a talk guy. Uh, here's, here's some stats. Yeah, here's some stats. So there are 28 million businesses in the U.S., 28 million. That's a lot of businesses, small, medium, large businesses, right? Of those 28 million businesses, 96% of them never break a million dollars in revenue, 96%. Most of those businesses that never make it over a million dollars in revenue, 60% of them tell the IRS that they actually lost or made no money last year. So when you think about the, the, the fight that an entrepreneur has to make to get over the million dollars, only 4% of them ever do. And so it's a very challenging thing to move from the I to the we to the they do it, where you're making over a million dollars you're building a team and you're growing a company and in the they do it, your focus becomes your people loving on the internal team and really leading them. And so 
that's what we call the seven-figure business roadmap. Now, there's a lot of intricacies in each stage. There's a lot of things that you have to, you know, move through, and all of that's in the book. And so it's a kind of a fun roadmap for somebody to pull the book open and say, okay, which one of these stages am I at? And then what are my core focuses and what do I need to, you know, really consider and who do I need on my team so that I can grow and eventually get to the they do it where I own a business versus the business owning me. That's great. You know, it's interesting. I'm listening to you and I am taking notes because I want to learn what you're talking about. And I'm going to tell you what I just visualized with you, and, I, and I'm and i sure you're going to say, yes, I've been there, done that. You sound like a TED Talk. Uh, you sound like somebody on the stage at a university. I mean, I, I, are you familiar with Loyola Marymount University here in the L.A. area? I'm not, you, no. Okay, well, it, it's it's practically in my backyard. It's a it's a private Jesuit college, and they have a really strong business college. My son works at the Eller Business College for the University of Arizona, and so I know a little bit about business colleges. But I could see where you would be you would just be you you'd need a virtual assistant just to keep track of where you're speaking next, because I would think anyone that's on an entrepreneurial um, journey um, would so benefit by your experience because you were that guy selling the Snickers when you were a little boy, and then you were that guy that went and got your degree, and then you were that guy that's built this very, very successful business. And how did you do that? You did that because you went from a I do it to a we do it to a they do it, and while those are just very simple words, obviously what's in between all those words is the meat of your business. And I think that it's it's really terrific what you do because I, I'm I I don't own a business. Um, I I've never owned a business. And my husband, when he was employed, worked for in the aerospace industry, so he didn't own a business. But you do know people that do own businesses. They are entrepreneurial. They, they, they do have businesses. And I could see where, like you said, just the customer service aspect or, the, you're not, or before that, you're not going to have customers if you don't have a marketing plan because your customers don't even know who the heck you are. How are they going to find you? So, you know, yeah. that, that's, that's certainly where we all um, so depend upon LinkedIn, which is frankly how you and I met. We we met via LinkedIn. We didn't know each other prior to this, and 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 you you ask people, well, how did you, how did you hear about me? You know, for me, because I live in this community my entire life. I grew up here. I was I was raised here. My family, my children went to school here, and I still live here. I'm very connected to my community, so I don't go too many places where I don't run to people that I know. But when you're starting a business and you are trying to reach consumers that may not live in your state or on your side of the the West Coast, East Coast, or anything in between, the fact that you have people that can assist you is, I just think it's like you said, you were sort of the pioneer in this industry, and that must be very, very satisfying, I, I would think, to be able to be in that place. If you were going to... Just give a couple of tips that could save some time and and increase some efficiency. 
What, what would that what would that be or advice that you would give to, to our listeners about what you do? Well, the virtual assistant world is a uh, it, it's a really interesting world. Uh, there are sites out there like Upwork and Fiverr. Now, I like to call them dating sites because you, it's a good spot to get a project done. It's a good spot to have you know something created a one time. This is a one time hit, right? Now. Mm-hmm. In the MyOutDesk world, we, we consider ourselves a marriage site. We, we want full-time commitment from our customers. And, you know, our people, I mean, here's, here's what's crazy. You, so in the Philippines, which is where we operate, um, this year, and, and you can appreciate this because we're all kind of struggling right now with pandemic stuff, they had an earthquake. They had a volcano erupt like a volcano that's been dormant for like 75 years erupted. Then there was a pandemic. And last week there was a typhoon. Right. Like there was a, all four of those things have happened in 2020. Uh, It's been an incredibly difficult and challenging year for everyone across the globe. And if you're listening as an entrepreneur, you know, this, this is, this is what blows my mind. And this is the advice that I would give. A customer um, called me over the weekend and says, hey, Daniel, I want to talk to you. I understand that four of my five virtual assistants have been impacted by the typhoon, and I want you to know that whatever financial support they may need to rebuild, I'm in to be part of that. I'm in to do that with you guys because I – and I'm like, okay, and his name's Matt. I'm like, Matt (laughs) – I appreciate your call. First of all, you never called me. He never called me. Uh, he's been a customer for a long, long time. And I appreciate your call. Um, but why? Tell me, you know, what is it about your virtual assistance with my outdesk that, like, drives that kind of loyalty and fierceness? And he's like, look, you know, and he's a large company like we are. And he's like, you know, I've got a lot of U.S. team members, and we are so thankful and so grateful for our five virtual assistants with my outdesk, but we can't imagine running our business without them. And whatever they're struggling with, we want them to know we're here to support them. And I'm blown away. I mean, why is there this fierce loyalty? It's a surprising kind of side effect to what we do. Our virtual assistants wake up every single day and they go, okay, I work for Marsha. Marsha's business is X, Y, and Z. How am I going to do an amazing job for Marsha today? So at the end of the day, she goes, I can't imagine my business without her. That's the, the advice that I give people is, man, there is some really good high caliber talent in this world. And there is an opportunity to look beyond your local little market and go global in your viewpoint or thought process. And there are people out there that are hungry for an opportunity and would love a great opportunity with your business. So my advice, I mean, I, and I'm an advocate, obviously. I mean, we have 1,300 people that are doing this for clients every single day. Um, wow. But consider hiring virtual assistants. That's my, that's my advice to you. And wildly enough, typhoons, waters come, water's rising on the first floor, and our virtual assistants just move to the second floor and keep working. Wow. You, so did I hear you correctly? You have currently 1,300 staff members that work for you. 
um, for my outdesk, your your VAs? Yes, ma'am. Okay, yep, so yep, those are we're... those are your VAs. You know, it's if you want any kind of assistance today, regardless of the company that you're in, t- in touch with, because of my personality, and this probably doesn't surprise you, and I'm talking to this person about whatever my issue is, whatever that might be, and then I'll say to the person, "Do you do you mind telling me where you are as we speak?" I already know the answer. And they'll say, um, yes, ma'am, um, I'm in the Philippines. And I said, that's what I, th- I thought you were going to say that. And then I say, what time is it? And it's like, you know, I'm calling it 3 o'clock in the afternoon and it's 1 o'clock in the morning. And I said, wait a minute, are you telling me it's 1 o'clock in the morning and this is the vitality that you have in your voice at 1 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning? Yes, ma'am. And it's like, now I don't even remember why I've called about whatever this issue is that required a customer service call because now I'm all over this person. It's like, well, can you tell me a little bit about your lifestyle? Well, my wife and I have four kids, and we we both have to work, and so this is my schedule, and this works well for my family, and I am just blown away by the commitment of these virtual assistants. And for all I know, they're your employees because you know you don't know what company is. You know, I'm not asking you that question, but what I'm saying to you is that I haven't never had a bad experience with somebody that's a virtual assistant. And if you can't, you know, find all of those employees for yourself, how lovely is it to go to your website and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Darn, this is precisely what my business needs right now. There couldn't be a better time. There could not be a better time, particularly when you've just mentioned the four enormous events that have happened in the Philippines. You can't watch the news and not know what's happened in the Philippines. And, Daniel, that really takes me to the next subject. I There is just something enough about nonprofits, maybe because I've worked in the nonprofit world for a very long time, and I I feel like, I just I love what nonprofits do, and you just described a perfect scenario where this person is saying, "I want to do something because I want to support my virtual assistant that has water." So sure, we'll just—they're the most resilient people you'll ever speak to. They're the most adaptable people you'll ever speak to. We'll just move up to the next floor. How can I help you? This isn't about me. This is all about how can I help you. It, it's it's remarkable. So can we spend the, this next portion of our conversation really talking about the mod movement? And I would I would really like to encourage people if you just go. I mean, really, it it actually brings such emotion to me as I know you can hear in my voice. But if you go to mod and that's m o d movement dot org, and you look at this child, this child's face, how could you not be moved to do something to help? And I understand people will say, "Oh, we've got problems here in our own country. That's fine. That's fine. Do what you need to do." But I'm just saying that if you want to help 
people and you have that kind of compassion. This 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 website is so beautiful, and I know that you have areas that you work currently in in your charity projects. And let's just talk a bit about your mission um, and how you started this, and then let's talk about Boys Town and the Seniors Home and One Life Fully Lived, if that's okay with you. Sure. Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's interesting because I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a capitalist. In fact, my father-in-law likes to call me a capitalist pig. And because uh, I believe, I believe in entrepreneurship. I believe that most problems can be solved through capitalism, and most problems um, in the world actually, if we chose to focus on them, they would actually go away. So the mod movement really is just our version of making impact. We we strive to make impact in the communities that we serve, in the communities that serve us, and we do that really through. Um, making real sustainable change. I'll give you some some examples. Uh, like seven, eight years ago, I'm at, at the Boys Town, um, and I'm looking at this, this, this. It's a community of really 800 people. There are 400 small boys and girls who are orphans in the Philippines. And, you know, I, I'm looking at their pool, and their pool is just – a mess. They have a they have a pool that hadn't been swam in in years. They had they had a pool that was full of garbage and dirt and like rainwater. And uh, so I started walking around, and I kind of wandered off because we were we were there. It was a charity event. Our people, our our virtual assistants, had chosen that place to actually contribute. You know things like you know toothbrushes and slippers and clothes and toys. Um, and so we're there and I wander off and I start walking through these halls and I realize that there's this entire section of the orphanage that was kind of closed down. It was ran down and I'm walking through it and I'm just thinking how grateful I am to live in the U S how grateful I was to have a child born into my home where, you know, there's a husband and there's a wife, we have plenty. And so there was this moment of emotion kind of like you just had, where I'm walking and like, I have to do something here. I need to make a bigger and better impact. And so we started the mod movement to specifically do that, where we give financially um, to this charitable cause, a company that we started, a charity that we started. Um, and then our people give hearts. They give their hearts and soul. They'll, they'll give time. They'll volunteer and spend time with these kids and really kind of make relationships with these kids. I mean, you know, some of the, some of the times th- these kids they just have their caregivers, and they'll spend an entire year and just having each other, no adults to look up to, and no 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 people to actually, I don't know, to to kind of help lead them into adulthood. So our we give treasure, our people give their hearts and souls, and then hopefully we can make impact over 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 the next you know twenty thirty years. Our first project at Boys Town was renovating one of those decrepit places, and it was the foundling home. There was about 50 kids, zero to five, that were living. Um, there, was, there was no working uh, kitchen, one toilet, no showers. Uh, the roof had holes, so rainwater would come in. 
no air conditioning. And if you've ever been to Southeast Asia, you know it gets really silly hot there. And so literally, um, I think we spent $25,000 to renovate this place. We evicted the rats. We, we painted the place, uh, you know, gave them new blankets and bedding, installed some fans and some lights and fixed the kitchen, fixed the bathrooms, added showers. These, and these are zero to five-year-old kids. And wow. so, and, and the crazy thing is, um, I don't know, you walk through it and it's just so rewarding as a company um, to do this kind of work. And so, you know, it's my, the mod movement is just my attempt to express my gratitude for the fortunate thing that we were, I was born in the U.S at this time of opportunity when we can do anything that we, we set our minds to. And not everybody is, you know, as lucky as that. Right. Did you have to dig wells? Did it, was, there, was there clean water? Uh, there's clean water, but you can't trust it. So you have to buy, you have to purchase water. And I mean, I mean and, and, and water's, a bit, water's a big deal for kids. But, you know, I was exactly. talking to the director of the – the place I'm talking to them. Hey, what are your biggest challenges? Because remember, I I'm, I like to solve problems. Entrepreneurs, right. if anything, we so, we solve problems, right? And so I'm wondering what her top three problems to solve were to see if there was any opportunity. She turns and looks at me and she says, "It's very hard to find meat." Like mm-hmm. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" You know? She's like, "Well, these are boys and girls, and they're growing and developing, and it's hard to get protein." One of her challenges with budget it's just budgetary so when we go to the boys town and you know we always bring a nice chicken or beef meal with us and wildly enough you know food donations and things like they were sharing toothbrushes and you know all these things that we just take for granted as you know americans um we were able to go over there and for a few thousand dollars really make big change and impact for these kids. Wow. So you, you mentioned that there were there were three problems. So protein was one. What was the second and third issues that uh, they, they were running out of, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, it was running out of space. So that's why we, we worked on building the foundlings and, uh, you know, getting more beds in there. And then the other toothbrushes, basic sanitary stuff. They needed Got slippers, it. toothbrushes. Um, you know, a lot of kids, you know, you know, here's another thing that's crazy. Um, these are the lucky kids in the country. Right. That's true. That's really something. Yeah. They're, they are not walking aimlessly somewhere. They are, they are sheltered in place. And, um, it's a lovely picture of them on the boys town orphanage, site for people that want to know more about Boys Town, they could certainly see that. Let's talk about the next um, bubble on your page, which is Seniors Home. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, once again, Daniel, one of the the great things about being me is I I just kind of, there's not a lot of rules or conventions. So we're at Mm -hmm. the the Boys Town and, and they share a facility. So the kids section is is one side, and then the um, abandoned old folks. Li- literally, that's what they're called, 
abandoned old folks um, section, I started wandering around over there and I realized, wow, there's 400 folks over here. And so I'm walking around and I'm talking to people and I get to an area and the guy says, oh, no, you can't go back there. You know, it's like it's off limits to us Americans. And I'm like, okay, I really want to go back there now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, I found a way back there. And when the old folks um, got sick, they put them outside so so they wouldn't infect the entire population. And so if you have pneumonia um, in this particular place, the doctor's idea of taking care of it was like a makeshift tent in the back with no, you know, bedding, no, I mean, it was just, it's just a wild experience. And so I'm starting, I'm starting to walk through this place and I realize there's some massive opportunities for us to make an impact here. And I started talking to our people. That's the other thing about our charity is that none of this is me saying, Hey, we're going to do this. This is, I'm always bringing, you know, the what's next ideas uh, they're coming from our people, our virtual assistants. They're like, hey, we'd like to do this. Hey, we'd like to run this program. Hey, we're thinking about making an impact here. And so in this case, um, you know, our, our virtual assistants uh, said, hey, we should do something about the, the old folks in the back. Um, we, we really can't have them just being out there by themselves. So we, we built a facility for them um, ground up. It was an actual, you know, being, I'm a real estate guy. So a a developer, contractor, um, I've built buildings. Building is just kind of, that's something that I've loved since my childhood. And so we went through that process with, with the, you know, the government in the Philippines to build a facility. um, And we designed it with an architect so that it's expandable. Right now, I believe we're at 75 beds, um, you know, and, and little things like, we made a a wheelchair accessible shower mm-hmm. and a wheelchair accessible bathroom. And that's just, you know, that these little tiny tweaks where, um, you know, our folks in the Philippines, they said, no, this is what we need, Daniel. Let's do it like this and let's do it like this. And we, we were able to build a, and it's the biggest project we ever have done there, which mm-hmm. is a home for 75 people. Um, but it was a really cool project. Gosh, how often do you go to the Philippines? I'm just curious yourself personally. You know, pandemic, we would yes. go two or three times, three two or three times a year. Um, now this year, I've already been once, but that was at the beginning of the year. We had our right. kickoff party. Each each year, we do two kind of events to bring all of our virtual assistants together in one place. Nice. Um, the at the beginning of the year, we had a kickoff party, which was super fun. Um, and this year, and this, and our secondary kind of get together is going to be a virtual festival. Like we're bringing everybody together actually next weekend. So nice. we'll have 13, yeah, we'll have 1300 people all on, not, a, not a zoom platform, but a event platform. And it should be a pretty interesting time it's our first virtual conference we've always done in person because we all work virtually every day so well we're going to be a virtual we're going to do a virtual event it was it's kind of a a new change for us no kidding so okay so so inquiring minds want to know what time what time their time 
Oh my goodness. I'm gonna wake up at two AM yes. next Sunday. So if mm-hmm. you happen to be up at two AM Pacific yes. Standard Time, so I'll be up. And yeah, I'm gonna come into the office and we've got an entire it's an entire day planned um wow. of events and and um you know, we've got games. Our our folks, one of the things too, working with our folks, you'll find they're incredibly loyal, incredibly hardworking. You know, as that typhoon was going, our people still showed up, you know. Um, but the other thing, they love to play. Uh, it's a very positive, That's the know, balance. engaging. Yeah, they really love to play. So we've got some really cool, fun um, activities and costume, uh, you know, contests and some other things going on. I'm really uh, excited about that. It'll be next, oh, no next Sunday. I'll be awake. So if it's 2 a.m. in Sacramento, what time is it in the Philippines? I've got a quick, easy, fun way to do that. So you flip the time, add 2 or 3, depending on the time of the year. So it'll be 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Let me ask you about one other. I I could talk. Jeremy was right. Okay, I could I could talk with you about a lot of these things. I wanted wanted to get to the one other organization that you also support was, which is One Life Fully Lived. And I I also would like to tell you this, Daniel, that I will absolutely hyperlink all of this on the blog so that people, if they're not taking notes, you know, they can go and and actually learn more because there is a learn more button on all of these. But could you just briefly tell us a little bit about the Life Fully Lived, One Life Fully Lived? Yeah, One Life Fully Lived is a great, um, great, great charity. And I know the founder of that charity and his mission is to really help make um, impactful changes to people's lives. And the whole concept is living your best life ever. And that sounds silly, but in a pandemic, oh, my goodness, how important is that work, right? And so he goes to underserved uh, communities within the U.S., and uh, he's done a couple international trips. Like, for instance, I joined him on a trip in Vietnam where we rebuilt his name? the school. Uh, Tim Rhodes I'm is sorry. his name. Yep. Okay. Tim Go Rhodes ahead. is the founder of One Life. So we, like, for instance, this, the, we built a school in Vietnam. Um, he's he's basically uh, gone and presented to underserved high schools, and and really the message is, hey, it's okay to not know where you're going, but it's a really good idea to have a roadmap, like a life roadmap, and like understand your strengths, understand what your interests are, understand what your path is going to look like. And it really is just helping people become like financially free, understand that, you know, college might not be for you. I chose it, but it doesn't have to be your path either. There's a lot of other good options out there. And so it's really, um, it's giving people a plan and a roadmap for their lives so they can sit down and really consider where they want to be. We've got a bunch of people who've gone through his program and become debt-free and, you know, ended up finishing the college or ended up starting a business or ended up going and doing that impactful charity work that they've always wanted to. And so One Life's whole goal is to help you really plan and create the life um, that you were meant to lead. And and I have a lot of respect for anybody who runs a charity because it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of thankless work. And you're constantly in the mode of 
um, fundraising. Absolutely. And so he's done a lot of great work, but it's all squared around having somebody live their best life ever um, and then creating that roadmap for what that looks like. In the Boys Town Orphanage, is there a is there a? I feel like I've done a show with somebody from there. I'm being honest. I'm just. I've done so many five and a half years worth. Is there is there a founder for Boys Town for that Boys Town Orphanage? You know, it's a know government. Who, oh, it's it, a government. It's a government. Yeah, it's a government organization, and all right. Um, you know, it's a complex. So it's a large complex. Um. And there's not right. quite a founder as it's just been around forever. Um, but they're consistently, you know, they rely on donations and the government's charitable giving. And so a lot of organizations like the Mod Movement steps in and helps them fill some gaps. Right. I think it's also really important to know that if you're a literal person like I happen to be, which is not always easy, um, Boys Town Orphanage is not just for boys. There are boys and girls that go to Boys Town, and I think that's yeah. important. I, I do. And um, the fact that you have three of these um, on your website, on your modmovementwebsite.org, lets people know that if, if as they're listening, this may be something that they would like to get behind, get involved, um, you know, find a way to donate, learn more about the projects. So it, you're, you are, you are not, you're not um, in one rabbit hole where you're just going to talk about your book or you're just going to talk about your business or you're just going to talk about your movement. You've got, I, I kind of, I, I put people that do what you do kind of, I, I see you mentioned like having all these hats. I see it more in my mind like a juggler. This ball's up, that ball's up, this ball's up. You don't want to drop them. You're just going to juggle. You're going to do the best you can. But you do have to have some balance. And and just in the remaining couple of minutes, I am really curious because I mentioned balance more than once in our conversation. How do you – you've got a baby on the way. You're, you're a successful businessman. You have a wife and two children. Where do you get your self-care? Where do you get your personal balance to do all that you do? Mm, it's good. I, I learned a lot of that from One Life's founder, Tim Rhodes. So in, 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 that, in that basically um, charitable organization, they say dream, plan, and live your most fulfilling life. And so most people forget the they dream, but they don't plan. And then they plan, but they don't actually go out and take it into action. So the difference between if you were to ask, like, what's the difference or how do you do it or what's your secret? There's not really a big, I mean, there's no real big secret here. I journal. Um, every morning uh-huh. I sit in and we have a hot tub and a sauna. So I sit in the hot tub and I sit in the hot uh, sauna and I literally ask myself, who do I need to be today in order to win? Right. And so who am I serving? You know, what audience do I need to get ready for? What, you know, what conversations are going to happen today that I need to kind of be mentally prepared for? We um, do a lot of reading. Uh, I even read books that I'm not really super interested in because mm-hmm. I'm going to learn something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have really great people um, that are in this fight with me. Um, and, and I think, you know, every entrepreneur is – 
cautiously moving forward, meaning I, I like the battery analogy where you've got to pay attention to the positive, the, the revenue generation, and you also have to be watching out for the negative stuff. You have to protect the downside risk as, as, a, as a business owner on, a, on, a several, on almost every day you're constantly balancing positive and negative energies. And so, you know, I do a lot of self-care, um, see a therapist. I have a men's group. I have a peer group where I'm in, with other cool. CEOs. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, being, being in service of others requires a whole bunch of energy, a whole bunch of self-control. You've got to release your ego, and that isn't easy sometimes. Nope. And so uh, I, I find myself, uh, you know, finding and seeking the advice of others all the time. I think that's so beneficial, and that's just such a beautiful way to end this show, Daniel, because we can't possibly have all the answers. We just can't. We just, unless unless you don't want to grow, unless you don't want to evolve, um, I'm telling everybody that I know that I'm reading The Secret right now, and I I just can't say enough about that book and how I feel that it has impacted my personal life by having that law of attraction and that feeling of gratitude. And I, I find that that is just an incredibly meaningful book for me because you mentioned that you're a reader, Daniel. If there's a sports, if there's sports on and basketball's coming back soon, and you know my Dodgers did win the World Series, and the Lakers won. Um, I'm going to put on the sports. That's my sort of escape. I, I would, I would, I like to watch sports. I enjoy that a great deal. But I guess more than anything, if you said if you could only have one activity a day. And I never really thought about this till just right this very second. But if somebody was to say to me, you could only have one activity a day, what would it be? I would say having a conversation. Having a conversation. It doesn't even have to be with somebody I know. You could be walking your dog, and God forbid you're in a hurry, because I'm going to stop you. And I'm going to ask you, oh, where do you live? I love the value of community, and that comes through those conversations and those connections, which takes me to the whole premise of why I've been doing this for for such a long time, because you're an entrepreneur, you're a businessman, and you have to balance all those, those that juggling that you do. But, boy, if I could just have a great conversation like we've just had every single day, I'm satisfied because I think we are more alike than we aren't. And I want to focus on what's positive in this world because there is a lot of what's positive. Look what your company is doing to support people in the Philippines. It's just it's outstanding. And I really want to thank you for taking the time out in your day-to-day to share your stories with me and our listeners. It's been outstanding, truly. Well, Marcia, thanks for having me. It's been a, uh, it's been fun. I actually enjoyed this. You are a master at the conversation <laughs> for sure. Oh, thank you. The checks in the mail. Um, so, with that, I will just say to everyone that thank you for joining us today. I'm going to let Daniel move, move on with his afternoon. I will do the same. But I can tell you. I will be here next week with a woman that's also a podcaster. Her name is Paula, Paola, um, 
I just listen now. I mess up her name. Paola will be with me next week, Roger, and she has a podcast called The Fearless Woman Journey, and she's pretty amazing as well. But for now, I'm going to say bye-bye, and thank you once again, and everyone be safe, take care of yourself, and love the one you're with. Bye for now.